0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host Dominic Shorosky, and I do not have a stuffy nose today. I'm actually, um, well, a little bit, but not it not it's not as bad as it was uh, on Tuesday. So we are back in full action. Not going to be a shortened show today. Here to give you guys everything that we've been missing out on giving you guys all of the good stuff so i hope you guys are ready i'm super excited to get back into the swing of things and first up we got some nfl to talk about we have some football to talk specifically about last night's game between the rams and the patriots now i expected the rams to win this game you know i I looked at everything, you know, the Patriots who had won four of their last five games had been playing well, had fought their way back to being six and six, uh, and trying to give themselves an opportunity to make it into the playoffs. You know, I thought they would make it competitive. Um, but it was not, um, the Rams went on to win this game. What was it? 24 to three, I believe was the final score. Yeah. 24 to three. And you know, there were certain moments where there were just some very questionable calls. You know, the way that New England runs their offense at times, it almost feels as if they're genuinely afraid of letting Cam Newton throw the ball. Um, Far too often, I feel like they are reliant upon... Cam's running ability and like I said it just seems like Josh McDaniels sometimes doesn't trust Cam Newton's uh maybe not his arm but his decision making or his accuracy um there was a moment where the Patriots uh, I believe it was either in the first or second quarter it was sometime in the first half uh the Patriots drive down the field and they get to the goal line and They have an opportunity, you know, to score. They're about maybe two or three yards away. And they run the ball each time. And it was just, it was very confusing, you know. Because like I said, like you have Cam. And I understand like that has worked for them. I do want to say that has worked for them. Goal line situations, they usually do run some sort of quarterback draw. Um, But third and fourth down you know, you run the ball with Damian Harris and then you run a quarterback draw that everyone is expecting and you get stuffed and you miss out on points there. You know, little things like that really shaped the way that this game played out. Um, the Rams came out, obviously the Rams played really good defense. Uh, that offensive line, you know, Cam was under duress a lot of time, but it's like, look, just looking at the game and Cam Newton obviously was taken out of the game towards the end uh, I believe in the fourth quarter when it was kind of you know it's three to 24 it's not a whole bunch of time left in the fourth quarter they bench him and let Stidham come in but Cam only threw the ball 16 times you know he was sacked four times Stidham was sacked twice you know it's the Patriots have a lot of problems uh they need a better offensive line that defense couldn't like that defense cannot stop the run to save their lives Cam Akers uh, who's rookie running back this year for the Rams had a career day, ran for 171 yards, almost averaged six yards per carry. Um, it was just not pretty all around, you know. And like I said, just little moments throughout the game, there's a time where uh, the Patriots actually, uh, and I can't remember the gentleman's young name at the moment, but on defense, they made a tremendous play, you know, picking off. Uh, Jared Goff made a huge play there get the interception Uh, Miles Brandt Miles Brandt makes a huge interception Uh, really great play breaks on the ball looks like it was going to be an incomplete pass he literally rips it from the receiver's hands um, gets the interception looked like it was about to get taken back to the house but he was called down Um, and then literally like the very next play the Patriots offense goes out there like two plays later and then cam has some pressure he throws a ball and throws an interception and that goes for six you know and it's just missed opportunities like that that really kind of shaped this game but it's weird you know it's weird seeing this patriots team struggle the way that they have this year um and i don't think we i don't think a lot of people expect that especially when they signed cam i thought we all kind of we're like, oh, well, Bill Belichick does it again. They're gonna have Cam and he's gonna play well and they're gonna find a way to win games, you know? It was it was kind of one of those things, but that has not been the case. Um I think more surprising than anything has been how poor that defense has played. And that defense really just suffers from not having the speed uh needed to be an elite defense. I think they're well coached. It's just that sometimes they don't have the speed to you know get to the ends and force guys back in and keep guys inside instead of bouncing it out um and sticking with some of these other receivers and things like that but rams doing a hell of a job rams are now nine and four um much better than i thought the rams would be this year i will be honest um the rams the rams are trying to win their division you know and the seahawks the way the Seahawks are playing right now, they're making it pretty easy for the Rams to walk away with this division. We gotta see what happens there in the NFC West. But shout out to the Rams taking care of business. Next up, we got the rest of these games. I know you all have missed my predictions so much. Um, but we got some predictions for these upcoming games. Uh first up, the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. This is honestly a really tough game to pick. I'm. It's going to be in Soldier Field. Uh, that Bears defense is still outstanding, even though they shocked the hell out of me this past week when they lost to the Detroit Lions and gave up 34 points. Um, I want to pick Houston in this game. You know, I'm going to pick Houston in this game. I, I, I want to pick Houston. I'm going to pick them just because I just think that you know, this Bears team is kind of defeated. I think that that defense is kind of starting to get into the mindset that they were in last season when it was like, listen, our offense isn't good enough to win a damn thing. So why are we really going to be out here busting our asses like that's And that's kind of what happened. You know, I don't hold that against any of those players because why should we go out here and. I mean, literally put our bodies on the line and give 1000% effort when the offense it was literally a game last year where the, the Chicago Bears offense only got 3 yards total in the first half of a game. Like as a defense, what am I supposed to do with that? So, I feel like it feels to me that that defense is kind of starting to get back to that where it's like, listen, no matter what we do, this offense isn't going to put up enough points to win the game. So, why are we even out here trying? Um I feel like that's kind of what kind of is what's happening. Um I really like Deshaun Watson. I think he's one of the special quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to take the Houston Texans to win this one. uh, But we will see. Uh, This is one I'm not super confident about, but I am going to pick the Texans. Next up, we have the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Basically, this one is pretty simple. No Joe Burrow means no wins for Cincinnati. Uh, Andy Dalton's back. They still have weapons on the offensive side for Dallas. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. And one of the games that's very sneaky, a sneaky good game, is Kansas City Chiefs uh, going to Miami to take on the Dolphins. We get to see Patrick Mahomes duke it out with Tua tonga Now, granted, I don't think Tua will be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes, but that has not really been what's fueled this Dolphins team this year. This Dolphins team has played really well on defense. Um... I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I'm going to take Kansas City <laughs> just because I don't see Kansas City losing another game this season. Well, they they might lose to the Saints when they play them next season, but other than that, I don't see Kansas City really losing any more games this season, at least in the regular season. Playoffs is a different conversation, but I'm going to take Kansas City, but I think this is a sneaky good game, uh, will be competitive, and... I'm excited to watch that one. Next up, another sneaky good game. We have the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. Um, You have the Arizona Cardinals who have been an up-and-down team all year. Uh, There are times where that offense looks absolutely unstoppable, um, and they've been just a handful to deal with. But then there have been other times where that defense plays really bad, and for whatever reason, they've started to go. DeAndre Hopkins has not been getting the same amount of looks and touches as he did in the beginning of the year when this offense was really clicking um, I think they need to go back to him like I understand you don't want us you don't want to lock in on one receiver and feel like I have to throw the ball to him every time but I think when you have someone who is in my like I can make a serious argument that he is the best wide receiver in the league you have to give him touches you have to like I understand you have other weapons, but deandre hopkins needs to be the focus like it it, there should be an effort to get him going because he's that special um as far as the giants go daniel jones may or may not be back for this game we will see but the main thing with the giants and we saw it against the seahawks last week this defense is really starting to come around this defense which in all honesty this giants defense has played well all season if we're being honest um but the giants defense man they they have kept this team in every single game like the giants are 5 and 7 but they haven't been getting blown out this year right they've been in a lot of close games and last week they showed that they can close out a close game against a really good team in the seahawks this is a very 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 again sneaky good game The Giants are trending up, whereas the Cardinals are kind of erratic and kind of feel like they're trending down. That being said, I'm still going to take the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to take Arizona. I think Kyler Murray's ability to run the ball uh, just adds another dimension and difficulty to defending this team. I'm going to take the Cardinals to win. I also think that they finally realize, hey, maybe we should start throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins more. Um, But I'm going to take the Cardinals. Next up, Vikings and Bucks. two teams that are fighting for playoff spots. Um, The Vikings have fought their way back to sit to a 500 team, and the Buccaneers are in a little bit of a skid. I'm going to take Tampa Bay in this game just because I don't trust Minnesota's defense. Uh, Minnesota's defense has been up and down at times this year, but for the most part, they've been down. Uh, I think the main thing behind... Minnesota's resurgence has been Dalvin Cook has just been absolutely incredible. Like he's been ridiculous this year over what 1250 yards on the season, 13 touchdowns. I mean, he's just been on a man on a mission. Um I think Tampa Bay's defense will start to play a little bit better. I think that they've been a little disappointing these past couple weeks uh, because you've seen it at times where this Buccaneers defense when they play up to their talent level and the level that they are capable of they can shut down anyone i mean we saw them shut down the green bay packers and aaron rodgers in that offense so we got to see what happens there i'm going to take the bucks to win this game i think the bucks keep their playoffs hopes alive and once you get into the dance it's it's you know anybody has a shot and they've got tom brady um we'll see we'll see another another good game that we have on the schedule here another good one that we have uh, next up, we have the Denver Broncos and uh, at Carolina taking on the Panthers. Even though no Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers this game, I'm still going to take the Panthers. Uh, Mike Davis has been amazing in his stead of kind of carrying down or holding down that running back position while Christian McCaffrey is out. Teddy Bridgewater has played pretty well this year, way better than I thought. Um, and again, the Panthers are another team where they're their record is a little deceitful. They're 4-8, and eight, but they're a tough 4-8. and eight. You know, like, you're not going to come in here and steamroll the Panthers for the most part. Um, I just think the Panthers are all around right now a better team, and they're better coached. Uh, the Broncos have a lot to figure out. Uh, they're also still dealing with a bunch of injuries. You know, a lot of key guys are done, for, have been done for the season all year for the Broncos. So, I'm going to take the Panthers in that one. Titans and Jaguars. Uh I think Tennessee has a really bad taste in their mouth about getting absolutely stomped by the Cleveland Browns this past week. I think they take out that frustration on the Jaguars and, you know, Jacksonville again, had it not been for Jacksonville's week one stunner, where they just absolutely stunned the Colts, they'd be a winless team and they'd be right there with the jets on their way to Owen 16. The Jaguars aren't going to win another game this year. Uh, and the Titans, like I said, have some frustrations that they need to get out. <laughs> so, it's in it. so Jacksonville going to be in for a long day. Next up is the Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. This Colts team. I was, I was, I liked this Colts team at the beginning of the year and they've shown why. Phillip Rivers. Even with his inconsistent play and sometimes his poor decision-making, this Colts defense is special. And I'm looking at a Raiders team that just barely beat the Jets last week. I'm sorry, I'm taking the Colts. You know, the Raiders, had it not been for Greg Williams calling an all-out blitz with 14 seconds left when you need to be playing prevent, prevent defense, you know, they lose that game. So I'm taking the Colts. I think they're the all around better team. I think the Raiders are another team where they're up and down. They have their moments where when they, when the Raiders show up, I think they can play with anybody. Um, I think Derek Carr has played really well in this uh, season in this, with this offense. I think they have good pieces with Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller. I think even though I was critical of them taking him, Uh, and making him the first wide receiver taken. Uh, Henry Ruggs has been a really good fit for this offense. Um, So I like what Las Vegas has done this year, but I I like the Colts a little bit more. New York Jets at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are another team that they're on the skid right now. Um, And I think similar situation to Tennessee, they're embarrassed by that loss to the Giants, again, that they feel like they should have won. Uh, and now you have a terrible team in the Jets uh, up and coming. I think Seattle absolutely stomps the Jets in this one. Uh, and they try and stay afloat and are still trying to position against the Los Angeles Rams for the number one spot in the NFC West. But I'm going to take Seattle in this game. Uh, Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Green Bay Packers. I don't think the Packers are going to lose any games in this division, truth be told. Um, and the Lions, you know, good team, but they just fired They fired their head coach, getting rid of the general manager, all this other stuff. They're in flux. Um, their season is pretty much done um, taking the Packers. <laughs> Uh, New Orleans Saints and Philadelphia Eagles. Alrighty, so I want to take a little bit of time to talk about this game. All of you Carson Wentz haters, now you get your moment. Carson Wentz has been benched, and Jalen Hurts is in. Now, he got benched last week. Obviously, the offense was not playing well, and to Jalen Hurts' credit, he came in, and he got some offense going. I believe they scored 13 points, made it a game in the fourth quarter uh, until, until uh. The running back for Green Bay, Aaron Jones, took off for like a 70-yard touchdown and kind of really put the game on ice. But everyone that's been been saying that Carson Wentz sucks and, you know, they need to put Jalen Hurts in and all this other stuff. Alrighty, here's your test. You get to take on the New Orleans Saints, who, by the way, their defense has been, I mean, outside of the Steelers, the Saints' defense has been one of the best this year, and quite honestly, over the past three or four weeks, have probably been playing like the best defense in the league. So, this is all this is what you all wanted. Let's see. Let's see if it tr- if Carson Wentz is the problem. If Jalen Hurts can come out here and ball out against the Saints, then okay, Carson Wentz is the problem, and then you need to figure out what you're going to do with him. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think Carson Wentz is the problem in Philadelphia. I think that Carson Wentz uh his play he's definitely regressed and i think he needs to play better absolutely but i don't think that he is the problem in philly um i think the problem in philly has been that there's just not a lot of talent around him i think the problem has been poor coaching this year um i think they've held on to this super bowl core a year too long you know they're a very old team There's not a bunch of young talent. I think they totally botched the draft last year when they drafted Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. Uh, All of that type of stuff, right? But this is what you all wanted. Carson Wentz is on the bench, and now Jalen Hurts gets to take on the Saints and one of the best defenses in the league. I'm taking the Saints to win this game, and I'm taking the Saints to win this game by a lot. Next up we have the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, Julio Jones is going is not going to play this game, I believe. I just saw that uh update. He is out for this game. This is a tough one. Um especially after seeing the Chargers really get manhandled by the Patriots last week. I mean, 45 to nothing. It was it was sad. I think this game is going to be a shootout um i see the over on this game i see the line at this game is 49 and a half i'm definitely crushing that over um i think this falcons offense yes dirt cutter sucks as an offensive coordinator but i think this falcons offense even without julio jones just has a lot of talent uh, i think matt ryan still is a really good quarterback um and whatnot we'll see what happens though we'll see what happens this is a, this is a tough game to pick in all honesty Justin Herbert, Mm. I'm going to pick the Falcons, I I do think the Falcons have been playing much better since they fired Dan Quinn, I'm going to take the Falcons to win this game, but this is going to be a close one, Uh, Washington football team and the San Francisco 49ers, so I have to give Alex Smith a ton of credit, I have to give this Washington football team a ton of credit. Um, this is not just because the Washington football team beat my Steelers this past week. This defense is finally starting to play the way I thought they could. That was one of the things that I said about Washington this year was I like them because Dwayne Haskins. Now, granted, they've benched him and all that, but the thing that I was really most impressed about with this Washington football team was they have a hellacious front seven. Their secondary needs some work, but having Montez Sweat and Chase Young on both sides of the ball. On both sides of the line is scary and they've started to really round the corner and this defense is playing really good football right now Um, i think it's going to be much to the chagrin of the 49ers and nick mullins Uh, i'm gonna take washington to win this game Uh, i think washington i'm picking washington to win this division i'm picking washington to win this division I think we see Alex Smith in the playoffs this year, which great thing for him. You can go ahead and give him comeback player of the year. Um, but I think Washington will be playing. Washington will will have a playoff game this year. They're gonna. It's gonna come down to them or the Giants. And in that situation, I'm gonna pick Washington. Uh, I'm picking Washington to win this game. Now the big game on Sunday is Steelers versus Bills, two powerhouses in the AFC. Um, really, really good matchups. Um, you have a Bills offense that has been clicking all year going up against the Steelers defense that is absolutely special. They get, they get after the quarterback, uh, a sack in this game would mean that the Steelers, the Steelers defense would now hold the longest, uh, the longest streak of games with at least one sack. I believe it would be like 70 games or something like that. Like the Steelers defense is special. They lead the league in sacks. They lead the league in takeaways. And I believe they are the best defense in the league when it comes to points allowed per game. They only give up about 18 points a game. This Steelers defense is special. Um, can that Steelers defense slow down this Bills offense, which is explosive? Josh Allen has been phenomenal this year. Stefan Diggs has been. Even though Stephon Diggs only has four touchdowns on the year, um, Stephon Diggs has been a godsend for Buffalo this year. He's been phenomenal. Um, And then on the flip side, you have the Steelers offense, which sometimes struggles and kind of starts off slow, going up against the Buffalo Bills defense, which is a little bit of a letdown this year. I think the Bills defense is nowhere near as good as they were supposed to be or as what people expected of them this year. Uh, This game will be played at Buffalo, which is going to be interesting to see. But I'm gonna take the Steelers to win this game. I think that the Steelers, the Steelers, after losing a game against Washington, a team, they feel like they should have beaten. I think they finally have that moment where they can reprocess and refocus. Um, I feel like too often when teams are kind of in a in a you know uh, on a win streak, especially when they're undefeated it's easy to gloss over some of the things that you're doing wrong. It's easy to gloss over some of the bad things or not pay too much attention to them or not have the urgency to fix them because you kind of get it in your mind that it doesn't matter. We're undefeated. We're going to win anyway. Um, I think losing was really good for this team, especially like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather lose in the regular season than in the playoffs. Right. Um, I think you can, I think you take more out of a loss than you do a win. So, I think you have a motivated Steelers team who still wants to come out and show that, hey, we are still the class of the AFC. We are not, um, you know, we, we were not just a, a feel-good story. We're still a powerhouse. And going out and beating a, a Buffalo Bills team that's 9-3 and three at home is going to be a hell of a way and a hell of a statement to make. So I'm taking Pittsburgh in this game. And, of course, Monday we have... The Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. This is a huge game. Uh, this is a huge game for both teams. For the Browns, this is a huge game because you have yet to beat the Steelers or the Ravens this year. You've beaten the you've beaten the Cincinnati Bengals twice, and that's cool. But you've gotten absolutely shellacked by the Ravens and the Steelers this year. The Browns are in a situation right now where they can have a ten win season solidify their spot in the playoff and more importantly knock the Ravens out of the playoffs I think if the Ravens lose this game that's it for them I think if they go and lose and they go on to be seven and six I don't know you know maybe they win their next three and finish 10 and 6, but I don't know if that's good enough to get into the playoffs in the AFC this year. There are a lot of really good teams that are going to be around that nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five area, I think. So this is this is kind of do or die for the Ravens, right? And for the Browns, I feel like they might feel like it's do or die because it feels they I feel like the Browns need to show themselves we can hang with the big boys. Feeling good coming off a game where you absolutely manhandled the Titans, but I think it's a little different when you take on your rivals. You know, I think Cleveland wants to show we're not little brother anymore. Okay. We're we're, you know, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, we're here. We're we're here, and we're we're not afraid of you guys. <laughs> that being said, I'm gonna take Cleveland. I like the way Cleveland is playing right now. Um, I like the way that they are running the ball with Nick Chubb. I like the way Cleveland is playing right now. I'm going to take the Browns to win this one in a very close game. A very close game. But I'm going to take the Browns to win this one. Call me crazy, I know. But I, I just got a feeling about this. I got a feeling about this game. I'm taking Cleveland to win on Monday night. So those are the picks. Before we move on to the NBA, there are... There is one topic that I do want to talk about, and that is, you know, we're at the end of the, we're getting close towards the end of the NFL season, and with that comes obviously the talk of coaching jobs. Who's going to get fired? Who's going to replace who? You know, it's coming, right? We're, we're getting to that point where you start to hear these conversations, and when you look around the league there are a lot of already jobs that are open that are intriguing but there's a lot of jobs that I feel like will become open um and those are very interesting so we're going to take a quick look around the league and just see who's on the hot seat which jobs could be available this upcoming season so first up Let's go through some of the some of the jobs that we already know you know are up, right? So we know about the Houston Texans, you know, Bill O'Brien has been fired. That job is intriguing because obviously you have the opportunity to uh, build a team around. Deshaun Watson right you have a superstar quarterback if you go to Houston the problem with Houston is Houston doesn't really have a lot of first round picks for the next two or three seasons something like that so you have to worry about that but Houston uh, is definitely going to be a spot where a lot of guys are going to go and they're going to do a ton of diligence and work trying to find a head coach and in all honesty a new GM as well so Houston's Houston has their thing. Uh the Atlanta Falcons obviously um Dan Quinn has been fired and you know you have that situation where okay, what do you do there? You know, it what what's the appeal of Atlanta, right? And that's kind of what I want to want to do with all of these teams. What's the appeal of Atlanta? Now, you can say this, Atlanta might have found their answer in interim head coach with Raheem Morris, who again, the team has played really well, uh, under Morris. Um, they've lost twice in the past three weeks, but those two losses were to the Saints. Um, but not counting those two losses, they're four and one under Raheem Morris this year, right? Now they've got some tough games coming up. They got the chargers, they got the bucks, they got the chiefs and they have the bucks again. So Depending on how they finish there, this position might already be filled. You know, Raheem Morris could very well end up being. Uh, he might end up getting this job permanently. He's he's someone who again has been in this organization uh, for six years. Uh, he's been an assistant coach on both sides of the ball, so he knows what goes on there. He's someone that the the organization is familiar with. Um, but the Falcons are an interesting team. Uh, you have a team that you got to figure out what you want to do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. um, But also you have young weapons and Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst. So now the main thing in Atlanta is you got to build that defense up again because that defense is absolutely terrible right now. Um, you need to find guys that are going to be there and that are going to stick, which has not happened. You know, Tack McKinley, um, uh Vic Beasley, you know, guys like that have all were drafted and moved on things like that. So the Falcons is not I don't think as illustrious and probably isn't as attra- is isn't as attractive of a job as say the Houston Texans job is, but it's up there, right? Um you also have the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's going to be one where it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. You're going to have probably the number 2 overall pick. Um you get to build that team up Um, and it it depends on you know how do you feel about Justin Fields because I think Justin Fields will I think in this upcoming draft you know it'll be Trevor Lawrence one Justin Fields will go two Um, so how do you feel about Justin Fields or maybe you want to fall back maybe you want to try and get a quarterback but in Jacksonville you have some draft capital to either draft who you feel will be your quarterback of the future or maybe trade down, get some more pieces, and build a team, and then maybe find a quarterback later on. Uh, You also have the Detroit Lions, which is a team they obviously just fired. uh, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are gone. Um, It's going to be interesting. So Detroit's situation there is interesting because the thing with Detroit, similar to the Falcons, is what do you do at quarterback? Do you still ride out with Matthew Stafford, who I personally feel like Matthew Stafford is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of his generation. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. I don't think Matthew Stafford gets the respect that he deserves. Um, just because he obviously hasn't had the success specifically in the postseason, that some of his counterparts have, but I think Matthew Stafford is a damn good quarterback. Um, he's going to be 33, I believe this upcoming year. So you got, you, you know, you got to figure some stuff out. Um, do you go quarterback or do you ride it out with Matthew Stafford? Me personally, I would ride it out with Matthew Stafford. I would try and get him a little bit more help uh, on the offensive side of the ball, especially because you have, I believe, what, Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, and Marvin Jones Jr. will all be free agents at the end of this year. Um, So wide receiver is going to be a position of need for them coming up. But you got to figure out what you got to do there. But that's the main decision in, in Detroit, if you take that Detroit job is what do we do? With Matthew Stafford do we keep him do we ride it out with him do we draft someone and let and maybe sit him and let Matthew play out his contract do we trade Matthew do we cut him there's a lot that you need to figure out but Detroit is also I think another interesting spot um some guys who are whose jobs aren't who they haven't lost their jobs yet but but it's more than likely that these guys will be fired, right? So let's look at someone who, a job that could come open, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, is, who the Eagles job is interesting. Now, I don't think it all falls on Doug Peterson. I think Howie Roseman hasn't done a great job these past two seasons of putting a good team around uh, Doug Peterson or, you know, Carson Wentz. But, Doug Peterson is a guy who could be on his way out. Howie Howie Roseman could be on his way out as well, which sounds crazy, seeing as how both these guys just won a Super Bowl three years ago. But I mean, failing to win the NFC East this year is a huge indictment on this team. This team did not play as well as they should have. Granted, my expectations for the team for this team were not as high, just because I still felt that they didn't. I. Again, I spoke on this earlier. I felt like drafting Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson was criminal. um, And that was just inexcusable. Howie Roseman should have been fired on the spot right then and there for that. But Philly is an interesting situation. Maybe Doug Peterson doesn't get fired this year. You know, I think, you know, they, they might give him another opportunity, like I said, especially since he's, you know, this team has been in the playoffs, they've won a Super Bowl. This would be their first time missing the playoffs, I believe, since 2016, which was Doug Peterson's first year in Philly. Um, so they've got, you know, some things to work out. Um, they've got some things to work on. Maybe Doug Peterson keeps his job there, but that's something that's definitely a job to keep your eye on. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see who would take that job because there's a lot that you have to fix in Philly. Um, next up, you have Matt Nagy in Chicago. I think Nagy is on his way out. Uh And not only Matt Nagy, I think Ryan Pace needs to go as well. Matt Nagy will definitely be fired. I think Ryan Pace needs to go as well. Um, This team, there's too much talent on this team for this offense not to perform well. Like, you look at this team and you have David Montgomery, who's a pretty good running back. You have guys like Allen Robinson. You know, you have weapons you have pieces in Chicago. This offense should be much better. Now, granted, the problem has been partly you don't have a real quarterback on this team. Mitchell Trubisky is terrible. Nick Foles is only good when he comes off the bench. But one of the big problems also has been Matt Nagy and his inability to correctly call plays. He gets too cute. Uh, He doesn't understand the importance of just Ground and pound football, which is really kind of more so the nature of Chicago than this super flashy offense that he wants to try and run. Um, And you have a great defense there. Like you can't keep wasting that great defense. That Bears defense is truly a Super Bowl level. Like the way that they play, the talent that is on that on that side of the uh, ball, they deserve better. And I think if you're the Bears organization, you have to to appease Khalil Mack and guys like that, you have to simply be like, hey, look, Matt Nagy's gone, Trubisky's gone, Foles is gone. We're going to get a head coach and a quarterback in here that can actually do something with this offense. So that way you guys actually have something to play for. Um, but the Bears are another situation. They're a team that I believe will have a vacant head coaching and GM spot this upcoming year. Um, and then as I, I don't, I don't like to say this because I never, I never, I never, so I I never want to push for anyone to lose their job, but especially black men and especially black head coaches, because it's so very rarely, it's so rare that we, that black head coaches get real opportunities, you know, like African-Americans in the NFL very rarely get real opportunities to be a head coach. But Anthony Lynn, I like Anthony Lynn a lot, but there's just been too many times where this team looks undisciplined, where they look like they don't know what they're doing, and they just find inexcusable ways to lose games. Um, It's baffling. Like, it truly has been. Um, And I know they went to the, they were in the postseason, you know, they went to the playoffs a couple years ago, but I just can't. I can't continue, especially like as someone. If you're a Chargers fan, I don't understand how you could continue to watch this watch this team when they lose the way that they do sometimes. And then obviously coming off of a game where they just lost forty five to nothing to the Patriots, like that's the type of loss that gets a coaching staff fired. Um, I think Anthony Lynn's days in Los Angeles are numbered. Um, I think he's out uh also with the jets you have adam Gase, who he will definitely be fired at the end of the year so like i said there's going to be a lot a lot of spots to fill uh this upcoming season um and there's going to be some i think there's going to be some really good um options out there you know you're obviously eric bianney is someone who definitely needs to get a head coaching gig i think he will finally get a head coaching gig this upcoming year Um, Jim Caldwell could find himself back in a head coaching position. Todd Bowles is someone who I think will definitely get some talks. Uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala, I think, is someone who has been kind of slowly um, building their name. And I think people are starting to look at him as maybe a, um, excuse me, someone who can be a real head coach. Uh, candidate just because of how special San Francisco's defense has been uh Kansas City uh defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo New Orleans uh defensive coordinator Dennis Allen both are guys who have been head coaches in the league before um so there's 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 going to be some really good options out there uh for a lot of guys I've seen some talk about Marvin Lewis possibly getting back to being a head coach after he spent a season Uh, As an assistant with Arizona uh, for Herm Edwards down at Arizona State. So, and then obviously you always have the conversation of, you know, guys like, oh, will Lincoln Riley come to the NFL and all that other stuff? We'll see what happens, right? Um, But just stuff to keep on. Guys are about to lose jobs and teams are going to have to find ways to fill them up soon. So I'm super excited to see how that all goes down. Moving on. Boy, we spent 42 minutes on the NFL. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the NBA. uh, Big news in the NBA was that Paul George signed a four-year, $190 million extension with the Los Angeles Clippers, which I have to say I was pretty shocked by. Um, I did not expect him to get an extension, uh, especially after – his poor performance in the playoffs this past season but apparently the Clippers I mean and granted the Clippers don't really have a it's not like the Clippers can move on from Paul George at this point because I don't think anyone's going to take on his contract um and you're or if they do take on his contract you're not going to get back the haul that you feel like you would and Being that you've given up so much for Paul George, you kind of have to tie your boat to him, right? Like you kind of have to give him an opportunity. And you really can't go away from this combo of, no Kawhi and Paul, that's, that's our two. That's what we're rocking with. And this is what we feel like can win us a championship. Now, I will say, I do still think the Clippers have a chance of winning a championship. I think that they need to make a move to get a real point guard. Uh, someone who can run an offense and, and you know, help out and be a good defender and things like that. Uh, they've got some things to do. Um, again, I've spoke on Ty Lu. I'm not the biggest fan of Ty Lu as a head coach. I think he's a little overrated, but we'll see what happens for the Clippers. I do still think with Paul George, with Kawhi Leonard, um, with the talent that is on this roster, they have an opportunity to compete for a championship. Now. Will everything come together? We'll see. But I do believe this I do believe this Clippers team is good enough to win the championship. I think they need to make some tweaks. It'll be interesting to see if they do. But for the time being, it doesn't look good if you're a Clipper fan. I will say that. It doesn't look good if you're a Clipper fan right now. I Again, I'm not counting them out, but I'm definitely not on the Clipper bandwagon the way I I feel like myself and everyone was at the beginning of last season. Uh, Other news, Kyrie Irving and the Nets were fined because Kyrie Irving basically said, yeah, I'm not talking to the media this year. (laughs) Uh, They tried to plead their case and Kyrie did, but it didn't really matter. The the NBA fined them, which I thought was funny. Um, But that's really been all the big news in the NBA. Obviously, the thing that we're all waiting on right now is James Harden. Now, the preseason starts in the NBA this uh, today, actually, um, so that'll be really cool. Uh, James Harden finally showed up, but for uh, to Houston for practice and the Bulls take on the Rockets today, actually, I'm pretty sure James Harden will not play in that game more than likely, but obviously the big news for NBA that we're waiting on right now is what happens with James Harden, and while I was thinking about what happens with James Harden, it got me to think, you know... What are some teams that can make real offers to him? You know, now that James Harden you know, has kind of apparently opened up his options. you know, he I said this on Tuesday that he came in and he told the Rockets, you know before it was the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers now he seems a little bit more receptive to the Philadelphia 76ers idea and that he's opened up a couple other ideas as far as where he would want to go, maybe say Milwaukee, or Miami, you know, stuff like that. So it seems like Hughes, like Harden is kind of trying to make it a little bit easier for him to get traded by saying, you know, hey, I'm not just solely focused on being traded to this one team. Um, I, there are a couple other teams that I would be interested in playing, playing for. Now, when you look at some of these teams, and I'm only going to look because, you know, ESPN and some other people have brought up a couple of different teams that you know say that you know they could offer a package but I'm, I'm only gonna look at teams who I honestly feel like will make an offer or will make a realistic offer um, so like I'm not gonna look at the Boston Celtics the Boston Celtics can offer something but I don't think they will I think they like their young core um, you know I've, I've seen stuff like the Chicago Bulls I've seen the Denver Nuggets I've seen the Warriors I don't really believe any of those teams like I've seen the pellet like some people throwing out the Knicks and the Pelicans name I don't believe any of those right like I don't think any of those teams are seriously making offers I think they may make an offer just to do their due diligence but I don't think any of them are doing it with the intentions of really getting these trades to go through however there are a few teams that I look at that I think okay they're legit they're serious First up, obviously, is the place that James Harden has said he wants to go more than anyone or more than anywhere, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. The problem with the Brooklyn Nets trade is that, and from what from what I've heard, is that Houston is kind of taking this stance that if we are going to send James Harden to Brooklyn, we want either Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. But if you're Brooklyn, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of getting James Harden. If you're Brooklyn, you know, the whole purpose of trading for James Harden was so that you can have this big three. You have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, right? Now, Houston understand, like, I understand why Houston would take that um, that stance. You know, you want a superstar back. However, if I'm Houston, I would actually ease up on that. Like, if I'm Houston and you can trade... You know, if you're Houston and you can trade James Harden and get, you know, because the Brooklyn Nets own all of their first-round draft picks from 2021 on to 2027. If you can trade James Harden and get some young pieces who can grow into stars, which I think Brooklyn has, um, I really like Karis LeVert. I really like Jarrett Allen. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. If you can trade James Harden for those three guys and say, you know, like two first-round picks— if i'm houston i take that deal in a heartbeat you know you still because i i feel like with houston's squad right now you're still good enough to be competitive even without james Harden, right like you have some good pieces on this squad you have um obviously now you have uh john wall uh, demarcus cousins depending on what his level of health will be when he comes back you have Gerald green you still have eric gordon and pj tucker uh, Daniel House is a good piece. Ben McElmore is a good piece off the bench. Like You have good pieces on this squad. You traded for Christian, you got Christian Wood, which I thought was a huge move for them. I think it's a really good move for them getting him from Detroit. But you have pieces, and you can throw in some young guys. Karis LeVert, who I think can come in and immediately be an impact player and can give you a real number two option next to John Wall. Spencer Dinwiddie is great off the bench. I think Jared Allen is growing into a really good uh, – center in this league that's the deal that if i'm houston i would make that offer and if brooklyn is cool with it i think you you pull the trigger on that trade yes it probably takes you out of the running for and i mean but here's the thing if you're houston because if you're houston here's what i here's what my question to houston is what's your objective because as of right now with this team that you currently have i don't think anyone looks at houston and says they have a legitimate shot like i don't think anyone looks at houston and says this is a championship caliber team even with james harden on the squad right now so and i don't know if you're going to get any pieces outside of one team which i think is the team that makes the most sense um But outside of the Philadelphia 76ers, I don't know if you're going to get a trade package that makes you an instant contender. So if you're Houston, why not look to the future? Why not get some guys who can be in this organization and be in this franchise and be the focal points moving forward? So that way, you know, three or four years from now, you've got a core that is ready to compete. That's just my thinking, but we'll see what happens there. Um, but Brooklyn, I don't think this Nets trade will happen just because it seems like Houston is not backing off of the idea that if we trade James Harden, we either want Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, and that's just not gonna happen. <laughs> like it's 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 just not. So there's that. Uh, next up, look at the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat is an interesting thing, is an interesting conversation because the Miami Heat, I think the Miami Heat, it would be nice to get James Harden. And I think getting James Harden definitely does give you a better chance of winning a championship. Like, I think it it makes your championship window very possible and it opens your championship window up massively for the next two years however Miami also is faced with the situation of do we want to give up our future because any James Harden package to Miami is gonna have to consist of basically all of their young talent you're gonna have to give up just just not and not even just for compensation wise as far as like talent wise just from a contract perspective like the Heat would need to get within thirty-three million dollars of James Harden's package. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are off the table, obviously. Uh, Goran Dragic has a trade restriction in his, con- in his contract. Avery Bradley has a trade restriction. Miles Leonard, Myers Leonard, has a trade restriction. Like the only pieces that you would have to give up are your young pieces, and I don't know if the Miami Heat sit back and say, "Do we really want to give up?" Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, and Duncan Robinson for James Harden. You know, that's the conversation. I think, now, if you're the Houston Rockets, and you can get a deal that gets you Andre Iguodala, like, the trade package that Miami would have to put up would be something like Iguodala, Olenek, Hero, Nunn, and Robinson for James Harden. That's a lot. That's a lot of... That's, a, that's just a lot of players and a lot of good talent, especially young talent. You know, like, I, if like for me, if I'm Miami, Tyler Hero is kind of a non-starter. Like, I really like the idea of Tyler Hero being the future of Miami. Like, I like the idea of Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, this being their team four years from now. You know, when Jimmy Butler is kind of passed on the mantle and Goran Dragic and everyone else is kind of, you know, getting to the point where they're retiring and past their primes... And you have Tyler Harrow and Bam Adebayo and like Duncan Robinson all coming in together, and now there it's this is the Miami Heat new kind of big three. I like that idea more than I like trading all of those guys away, so that way we can have a better shot of winning a championship for the next two years. But even still, what do you do after that, right? Because it's not like like the Heat also don't have a ton of draft capital you know like they have first round picks in 2025 and 2027 um so it it's a tough situation that they find themselves in um i just don't know if miami pulls the trigger on that trade just because i don't think that they are willing to give up so much of their future for two years of championship contention with jimmy james and bam and then of course lastly we have the philadelphia 76ers this is the team that i've been big on all year this is the team that i have been shouting and clamoring for all season this is the team or not all season all off season um this is the team to me that makes the most sense for both parties involved for the philadelphia 76ers i think it makes the most sense for them and i think it makes the most sense for houston Um, if you are the Philadelphia 76ers, obviously giving up or in order to get James Harden, you're going to have to give up Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, like the likely Philadelphia package for James Harden would be Ben Simmons, someone like Matthias Theibel and maybe a couple like two first round picks, which is fine because if you're the 76ers, you own all of your first round picks from 2021 on to 2027 so you can give you can like you can give maybe say a 2021 first rounder and a 2026 first rounder just because they have something with oklahoma city where their 2025 is like a protected first rounder and it makes it um impossible for them to trade like Three of theirs, like something weird like that. Like it's some sort of deal going on that they have with Oklahoma City with the 2025 protector first round pick. But you could, in theory, you could send Ben Simmons, Matthias Thiebel, and like two first round draft picks to the Houston Rockets for James Harden. And that to me is the best deal. If you are the Philadelphia 76ers, you get rid of Ben Simmons, who I've been saying this for about two or three years now. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do not work well together. They don't mesh well. They don't play well. Like they, their style of their styles of play don't match. Right? They don't complement each other well enough for this team to really be a championship caliber team. Um, I think that they have championship level talent. I think off of their talent alone, they will be a playoff uh, team. I don't think I will ever look at them as a real championship contender as long as Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are the pairing there. Which means one of them has to go. I personally am more partial to Joel Embiid because I feel like Joel Embiid's ceiling is higher than Ben Simmons. I like Joel Embiid a lot more. Um, I think he's a little bit more versatile than Ben Simmons is. I think if you get James Harden on this Philadelphia 76ers team that still has Tobias Harris, that got Danny Green, that... Has Seth Curry that had like you put Joel Embiid out on the floor and surround him with Tobias Harris James Harden you know Seth Curry that's scary because now you've put him now you've put nothing but shooters around Joel Embiid you also have James Harden who's a guy who obviously is going to shoot the ball a lot uh but you have a real you have a real big man now who can go up, grab rebounds, and can clean up the boards for you. You also have Dwight Howard coming off the bench. Like Philly, Harden to Philly makes so much sense. And also Daryl Morey is over there in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia now, he's the one who traded for Harden back in 2012. It makes sense. Now the problem is Daryl Morey has said he does not want to break up the tandem of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Now. That can be real. And I understand why he would not want to do that, just because obviously the talent there. But people lie all the time. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say that right now. People lie all the time. I'm not saying Daryl Morey is lying, but I think if it comes down to it, it might be to it might get to a situation where, you know, maybe we get to the 12th hour and Houston comes calling and they're offering James Harden and he just can't say no. So And then, if you're Houston, you get Ben Simmons. You get Ben Simmons. You get a legit all star, someone who is going to run your offense, who's a tremendous defender, who can be the face of your franchise. Uh, Pairing him up with John Wall will be very interesting to see how that works out. Um, But as far as that goes, you get like you have your core piece if you're Houston. Because right now, I don't think Houston has a core piece. You know, James Harden wants out, and I don't know if you like, as far as the future goes, like, yeah, John Wall is like a part of your core for the time being, but how much time does he have left in the league, right? With Ben Simmons, you get a guy who is young and is locked under contract for the next five years. You have your core piece if you make this trade a young core piece who can, who you can build around. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how James, where James Harden ends up going. Um, I'm super excited about it. Can't wait to see what they do. I'm going to be very, very, uh, I'm keeping a very close eye on how this all works out. So, that being said, before we get out of here, I do want to point something out uh, in college basketball. Uh, my coach, Coach K is going out kind of sad right now. And it, it 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 pains me to say this. <laughs> it pains me to say this just because uh you know, I'm a Duke fan. Obviously Duke is two and two right now, have not played well. Um Coach K basically came out and said Duke will not be playing any non-conference games for the rest of the season. And he has gotten a little bit of backlash. <laughs> um because Alabama coach uh, Nate Oates basically came out and said coach K is only saying this because his team stings right now <laughs> like it's only because they'd lost their two non-conference games at home this year and you know I now I will say to coach K's credit coach K has kind of spoke about maybe we shouldn't do this for quite some time you know like he's been he's been a little apprehensive so this isn't anything new but i do kind of agree with this that i don't know if coach k would really be this critical of the way things are going if duke was 4 and 0 right now you know so coach k's taking a little taking it on the chin a little bit and uh, i can't really blame the people that are kind of having their jokes with him Uh, Because I'm not going to lie, I kind of agree. (laughs) I I kind of agree with this idea that, you know, hey, uh, maybe if we were 4-0, you wouldn't be talking as much or you wouldn't be talking about how poorly this situation has been handled and all this other stuff. But anywho, just wanted to throw that in there because I thought it was a little funny and a little self-deprecating humor because, you know, my Duke Blue Devils are not looking good this year. Um, we'll see what happens as the season goes on, but it's, uh, it's a little rough right now for the tar, for, uh, I was about to say Tar Heels. Ew. What am I thinking about? No, never disgusting. Um, it's looking a little bad for the, uh, for the Cameron crazies right now, but that is all we have for you all today. Gave you all a nice hour-long pod. You know, I, I cut it short last week or on Tuesday, so I apologize for that. i um, feeling much better. Um, everyone that reached out and wished, you know, everything's. everything was really nice. Thank you all for reaching out. But, um, yeah, man, thank you all so much. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Sharoski. And if you like this episode, tell a friend to tell a friend, you know, share it, all that good stuff. If you didn't like this episode, just act like it didn't happen. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters, guys. I'll see you Tuesday.